0: So I'm not exactly sure how the audio uh, came through online, so if you're online with us this morning, you just missed the most beautiful, on-tune, just gorgeous singing of Happy Birthday to Chip. I've just never heard Happy Birthday sung so well, so... You, you missed that you missed that this, this morning. Like Lisa mentioned, we're starting a two-week series. We're going to call it Money Talks, and we're going to talk about two important conversations about how the existence of money, it's a reality that we have to deal with, whether we like it or not, how that existence of money and how we interact with it shapes and influences what a biblical and godly approach to being generous and to investing what we invest in in life with what God's invests in us should look like. Scripture very clearly ties money and how we deal with it and how it impacts us with the condition of our hearts. And there are some commands and assumptions made in how we can best steward our resources so that the things we own don't own us. And as disciples of Jesus, the premise that we begin with when it comes to our worldview as it pertains to our money and our resources is in two parts. The first is this possession is temporary. We know this intellectually, we all know, ah, you can't take it with you, you know, and it's a great, great perspective to have, but in the moment, in the moment, possession is temporary, Is not always the thing we're thinking of. When somebody, you know, scratches your car, runs into it, hits in the butt, my car, you, you know, we're thinking about, we're not thinking about, oh, cars are temporary, it's eventually going to be in a junkyard somewhere at some point. We're thinking, no, that's the thing right now, like, it, I wouldn't hold, don't do that thing. Or when a deer runs out. In the middle of nowhere, while your wife is driving to the store and just rams headfirst into the driver's side door as she's driving. You know, you're like, why, why does that have to happen? You know, you're not thinking, ah, it's only temporary, it's fine. None of us is leaving this life with any more possessions than when we, we came into life with. Right? The second is this, everything that we have is already God's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. You can check that out and read that on your own time if you want. There is no resource that we possess that is good, that is beneficial, that is necessary for life that isn't already God's and is in our life as a result of his blessing and his provision. A really helpful way for us to put this worldview into practice is not to think of ourselves as owning our stuff, but to be stewards, and some of you are familiar with that concept. A steward is somebody who is managing and looking after someone else's property. And I don't think it can be overstated how freeing that is. For example, when you borrow a tool and it's somebody else's and it breaks, how freeing is it to know, I don't have to deal with this. I can just hand it back. Well, maybe we should do something, something about it, depending on how it broke, right? But it, it is so much more freeing to go through life without always having to worry about the stuff that that we own. I mean, some of you, I know, some of you are renting right now and you would love to, you're in an apartment, you'd love to have a house. There are a couple people I'm thinking of very, very specifically. But I'm also thinking about I'm thinking about which, you know, the lawn and taking care of the lawn. And when the roof goes bad, some of you just, just replaced the roof. You know what that's like. And the gutters. And then there's the repair. And eventually, you know, the water heater is going to have a slow leak. And you're not going to realize it. And it's going to completely ruin your laundry room floor. And you're going to have to get that repaired by ripping everything out, if that sounds specific. It's because, that happened to us several years ago. You know, there's all, always these different things that come with ownership. And stewardship, it, it still carries with it the weight of responsibility because you're managing and and, and looking after somebody else's property. Um, but it is a much lighter burden overall when our lives are not tied to stuff. Resources come and go, possessions get misplaced or broken and destroyed. And having a godly perspective on our stuff helps us to be at peace when those things happen. And so, as stewards. Because we're managing and looking after what is God's, we're, we're called to steward creation. God puts us in that position of stewardship over creation at the very, very beginning. Our goals with money and resources are aligned with God's purpose for us having what we do have. So, for example, if we were to have a conversation like you do over coffee about each other's net worth... You know, the ways that we would talk about that is we would say, all right, right, what are your assets and what are your liabilities? So let's add up all your assets, let's subtract all your liabilities, and that is what your net worth is. But when God looks at our net worth as Christians, when he sees us, he sees our accounts as completely overflowing with assets that we haven't even earned after Jesus paid off liabilities that we could never afford. So while we might measure our net worth by what we possess, God measures our net worth by our generosity. And that's, that's the perspective that he is looking for us when we understand that, hey, our stuff, our possessions are only temporary and it's already God's anyway. How does he want us to steward? How does he, does he want us to manage those things? What's well, by being generous? It's a wholly different accounting process in which the math doesn't add up on paper. If you put it all together, it doesn't seem to work. But when you have a benefactor who is God, who has unlimited resources at his disposable and unlimited willingness and desire and means to provide for every need, the books always check out. There's only one thing we need in order to be generous people, and it's not an amount. It's not a certain level in our bank account. It's an attitude, and that attitude is contentment. Paul talks about this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is the first of three passages we're going to be talking about this morning. Two are going to come from 1 Timothy. The third is going to come from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul warns Timothy right above these verses that there are always going to be people that teach and think that following God is just one other means to generate wealth in our lives. And so that's the thing that the way that we measure God's blessing in our life, the thing that we pursue and look for is for him to give us more and more and more stuff. Um, But that has never been what God's blessing has been for, and following God is a means uh, following God is about generating generosity, and contentment is what gets us there. So this is what he tells uh, Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting verse 6. "'Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and we have clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction.' For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, some people, you you might have heard, you know, money is the root of all evil. No, it's the love of money. It's the attitude that we have toward it. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with so many griefs. There, there's so many different ways in which this warning of temptation and trap affects us. Uh, you know, there, It's easy to come up with examples like, oh, credit card debt, that's a bad thing. We, we, like, we know that. That's a bad thing. We don't want that. Or we could talk about shopping addiction. I know people who are addicted just shop. I mean, that's, that's what they do, they continually buy new stuff. We could talk about being a throwaway culture and just how wasteful we are with so many different things. We're always buying the new and latest thing. But there are also less obvious ways that we fall into this, this eager for money, or, or the, the topic of money always kind of changing and affecting our attitudes. Like how sometimes we compromise our ethics when it's beneficial for us to earn money. One of the things I've really noticed over the last few years is that there are a lot of strong beliefs and opinions that people can have. I don't know if you've noticed that before. That, that they will allow to affect all of their relationships. That they will walk away from friendships over very strongly held particular opinions and beliefs and yet when it comes to their job It's really interesting how that works when it comes to the bottom line those those strong beliefs and opinions get awfully quiet and So while they're willing to compromise in some ways, they're not willing to compromise in something that might affect their paycheck That's really interesting. It's a temptation and trap Maybe that that we fall into where maybe maybe our beliefs aren't as strong as we think they are or or we use the condition of the economy as a measure of our contentment and our happiness. Or just have really poor prior priorities and balance in our lives because we're in a cycle of making and spending money in such a way that it leaves no margin for anything else. My kid has um, some teammates on his flag football game that have missed like the whole season. I don't even know why, they've been there for one or two games. I have no, I have no clue why, why they're there. And my wife and I were talking about this. So why, why would you sign up for your kid for something that? they can't be there for. They're on a travel baseball team or something like that, so there are two sports at the same time. And my comment to her was, because they got more money than they have since. I mean, I, you know, that kind of stuff. The, the only reason we do those kinds of things is because we can afford it. You realize? Like, so often we're so much more hurried and busy and unhealthy in our life just because we got money and, and we just kind of fall into the way that we're marketed to and we see the way that other people live. And so we just kind of get into those routines. And it doesn't really make any sense, but it's just, it's what we do. And it's what everybody else does around us. And as Paul says, you know, the, the, the worst part of it, about it is that eventually at some point there have been people who have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs of the cycle that we get trapped in when we don't have a consistent biblical worldview of our money and our lack of contentment causes us to miss out on the blessing that generosity is in reversing these trends and tendencies. Like this is the spiritual discipline that we put into place in our lives that, that changes how we interact with our stuff and our de- ideas of ownership versus stewardship. The simple fact is, is that generous people are happier people in life. I mean, that, that's, that's, just, that's just how it is. I mean, there, there's plenty of research and, and studies, um, and I'm just going to read you just, just a few stats um, about this. Generous people aren't just happier overall. They're also happier more often. People who are gener- generous all the time are happier so much more than people who are not generous. More than 80% of high generosity... People feel like life is meaning, meaningful compared to 60% who fall into the less generous category. Um, high generosity respondents of, of this, this survey and this, this report that, that, is done, that, that has been done uh, have more people that they can count on for various favors and support. They have closer friends and relationships that they can rely on in their life. High generosity people report higher rates of satisfaction with their stuff. So when it comes to homes and vehicles and the stuff that they have they just feel, feel more satisfied, more content with the things that they have. Even people that have the same, same exact things. Um, talking about, let's talk about how we get our money. We get our money through work, right? And we work so we can do the things that we, we want to do. Higher generosity people, 70% feel more satisfied with their work compared to 49% of people who are not generous in their life. Their perspective on our money and our stuff, and whether it owns us versus we are managing that for God. I mean, it just changes our life. Here's here's another one. This this is pretty wild. Um, when it comes to how healthy we feel each day, high generous, high generosity people uh, feel healthier. Seventy percent of high-generosity people feel healthy every single day versus 54% of people who are not generous. I mean, it affects everything in our life. And there are few things better in life than when we benefit from generous people. Some of you know this past week, every year I go away for a couple days and I do a sermon planning retreat for the next year. Some of you know this, and, and we did this a couple days a couple days ago, earlier this week. And I do this with four other guys who are preachers. We're all best friends, and uh, we love each other, and our families love each other, and uh, it's just a really meaningful time for us. Here's a picture of us, and uh, and there. I mean, I don't know. It looks like we're is that like an album cover? I'm not sure what <laughs> I'm not sure what we're doing there. We've got a flannel and a hoodie thing going on. And uh, I didn't, I didn't bring my flannel that day. You might notice, though, the reason I'm showing you this picture is not, not really because of us, because I want you to look at the background, and I want you to see the leaves changing and the water, and we're on this dock, and we're in, at Lake Gaston, and it was just, it was just gorgeous. It was absolutely beautiful. And and I'm telling you that I'm not trying to make you jealous or anything like that. Yes, this is my, this is my second home. And um, now the only reason we're there is because one of the guys has a family in his church that, that owns, owns this home on Lake Gaston. And every year, they have graciously allowed us to use that space for a couple days for this purpose, totally free. So they just, they just let us use this. And they, they've never acted like this is a big deal for them. They've, they've never acted uh, like they're put out. Uh, they were actually there right before we got there um, on Sunday Sunday evening, and um, they were, they were using the house and, and enjoying it, but they they use it for so many different friends and family, uh, and it's it's incredible. But that the thing I want to point out is that that type of kindness and generosity doesn't just come from from nowhere. It comes with a certain attitude of, of how we think think about our stuff and why we're whether or not we're owners or we're stewards, and it comes from being content enough with what they have to be open to using whatever might happen to their house because these knuckleheads are there. Um, it comes from being open to using what they have to bless others. And in turn, I believe that God blesses them in ways that are far deeper and far more meaningful than what they may be aware of. Now, and here's what I mean by that. Not, not only do I often see God bless those who are generous with the continued ability to be generous, because a lot of times that's what we say. Well, we bless, other, you know, we bless others because God has blessed us and we wanna be blessed by God more. And that, that's, that's the motivation. I think it goes deeper than that. Their generosity with their home doesn't just impact the five of us. What, what we do there is very meaningful for our congregations. And between the five of us, there are about 1,500 people that are impacted by them letting us use their home. And of those 1,500 people, you think about the friends and the family that they have. Of those 1,500 people, however many of those people are generous with their life and what they do with their stuff. You think about the ripple effect that is caused just by just by this family, and I, I, I guarantee you they don't even think about it this way. They, they might not even have any idea that that's how meaningful this is. It doesn't just—it's not just five guys who get to hang out their house for a couple days. It affects exponentially more people than they could ever imagine, and who than I could ever imagine. And that's what generosity does. Because a lot of times, the gener- you know, us being generous, I mean, we, we, think, about, we think about our bank account, or we think about how much stuff we have, and we compare it with other people, and we think, well, there's, you know, it's just, it's just too costly, like, I can't afford that. But generosity produces exponentially more than what it costs. As Paul is continuing this conversation with Timothy, and this is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we already read one passage, here's the second passage, in, starting in verse 17. As he's continuing this conversation with Timothy on how to teach others what a godly approach to money is, uh, he, he essentially says, once we have developed an attitude of contentment, we can see more clearly how we are equipped to be generous people. And so this is what Paul tells Timothy to preach in his church. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share the storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of what, that which is truly life. And so maybe, maybe you're thinking, well, he's telling Timothy to talk to rich people. So, Rob, maybe you should talk to rich people. Which, after church, when you, if you're rich, go ahead and meet me in the lobby. We'll have a conversation about how you need to be generous in your life. Is that? that feel a little awkward some of you are like I don't maybe I don't know this guy is he being serious or is that sarcasm you may never know now you know it's it's one of those things where do we do we even categorize ourselves? as this text being relevant in our life well I'm not rich well what's your definition of rich I mean how, how much would you need in your bank account how much stuff would you need to have for you to consider yourself rich let me let me give you let me give you just some some ideas of how rich people live all right. Rich people do things like use perfectly good drinking water to grow plants in their home or make make their grass grow and look pretty. Rich people do that kind of stuff. Rich people, they pay other people to make their food and their drinks for them and sometimes even bring it to their table for them to eat. That's what rich people do. Rich people have whole rooms in their, in their houses. Sometimes it's the very top room, you know, that you, you pull down this ladder and you can walk up to it. It's called an attic. Like people have, some people even have basements, but they have, have, have whole places, even closets, where they store their stuff. Rich people, some rich people have a whole room just for their car. Isn't that, isn't that pretty wild? Like it's got a whole door for it and everything. It just, their car has their own room. Rich people, they pay for entertainment to come to them. They've got these magic boxes in their homes that have moving pictures and their sound and, and color, all kinds of crazy things. Rich people, and they have, they have cars, and they can just drive wherever they want. They can buy gas and just do. They travel for fun sometimes. Rich people can do that kind of stuff. Rich people here, Here's the kicker for me, and I, I would love to be rich to be able to do this. Rich people can decide what kind of weather they have in their house. I mean they just, you just can change the temperature. And just go and just by the push of a button, or or a few times, you know, push push on the button, depending on who it is. The whole being rich thing, maybe it seems like like it's something that we can't relate to, but there's a little perspective that comes with how we think how we think about our lives and what we've been blessed with and what we're called to steward. I mean the the, the lowest five percent earners, the, the poor the people that we would consider the poorest people in our country are richer than 70% of the world. Right? So so our perspective it needs to be a little bit more different. And so when we, when we come to the this text, and, and Paul says, hey, as for the rich, for this present age, look, we just gotta assume, he, he's talking about us. I mean, this includes us, it includes our attitudes, how we think about the world. And, and we have a choice when we come to come to these texts and as, as Paul's talking about money and how, how we handle our generosity, how we think, think about our stuff in this world, we have a choice as to whether or not we're going to recognize this worldview that is, that is stewardship over ownership and the attitudes and the thoughts that we have about these things and what we do practically with our stuff. The perspective from scripture is that we are stewards of God's creation and possessions and the investment strategy he expects from us is generosity. So generosity then becomes the intentional margin in our lives that we create in order to give. I say create because I think that's a little bit more palatable to say, but I think in reality it's it's really about acknowledging, acknowledging that the margin really is already there. We we've just got to make a choice to acknowledge that and to give from what God has blessed us with. It's already there in abundance. Um, but it only comes when we recognize that our, our, our blessings aren't, aren't measured by other people. They aren't measured by our own expectations of what we want to have in our life. It's based on what God blesses us with and expects us to do. It matters if we see our hope and God's love for us develop into a faith that produces generosity. And it's measured by what we do with our resources. Some of what God gives us is for our benefit. Absolutely. He gives us all good things. He, he wants us to be taken care of. He provides for us. That's something that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. Like, hey, why do you worry about everything else in the world? Don't, don't you know that God is going to take, you know, He takes care of birds in the field, He takes care of the flowers. Of course, of course He's going to take care. Take care of you. Um, Some of it is what he gives us for our benefit. Some of what God gives us is meant to be to the benefit of other people. We're we're generous with our time with our talents and money. We experience blessing return We see generosity every week at velocity and the ways that people use what God has given given to them the resources and yes Talents and giftedness where people are up here, you know serving by helping to lead us in worship There are people back in the sound booth are helping to serve others and helping them to be able to experience worship if they're not able able to be here for Slides to be up there to help reinforce what's going on sound so we can hear each other We've got people who are teaching kids who are there helping to raise children in the way that they should go. I mean, there's there's all kinds of opportunities for people to be generous. People are generous uh, when when they come together and every week at Velocity, we worship through our giving. I mean, that that's, that's all a part of what we're called to do when it comes to how we think about what we have and what God has given to us. When we are generous and when we give, it just so happens that there's more than just the benefit of outward you know, people being helped in our lives and inwardly our church functioning in a healthy way, we also gain something from giving what we are to manage and steward. As Paul says in verse 19 of what the text that we just read, we set up a foundation in life for the future that enables us to live a real and full life. This comes from the contentment that God will honor his word when he says... Like in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, that he has richly provided us with everything for our enjoyment and more than enough to share. As many real challenges as we may face with stewarding God's money and resources and giving to sustain the work of the church and to help people in our lives, generosity is one of the next steps in our faith that helps us to grow a godly perspective on what thoughts and feelings and habits guide and direct us when it comes to something we utilize and deal with on a daily basis. It affects the health of our hearts and our relationship with God. And so we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is the last text that we're looking at this morning. And I'm going to let Paul put the finishing touches on this idea of generosity being a part of our spiritual development and our discipleship. And here's what he says. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. The point is this. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. God loves a cheerful giver because he wants us to experience the same type of joy that he has created for us and that he shares with us continually through his generosity to us. You and I are well-equipped to be generous people because of this. And when the goal of our stewardship is to participate in the righteousness of God versus acquiring as much as we can for ourselves, everything that is worth anything increases in our life. Just as Paul says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, God has been generous with us so that we might be generous with others. The expectation is that we will give, and that as we do, our hearts will align with God's and how he gives to us. When we remember that what we have is temporary, it's not even ours to begin with, and yet God continually supplies for our needs, then some that we have, we will give, and we will do so joyfully and generously. So let me, let me just challenge you to do this. If you, um, if you don't know whether or not you're a generous person, let me, let me just help you with, with something to do this, this week. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe this will be really easy for some of you. Maybe it will be, be difficult for some of us. But for all of us, it will help us to start building the habit of generosity. Generosity, generosity has to be planned for. Right? It's the intentional margin that we create in our life to be able to give to, to others and to God's kingdom. Okay, so just like on a Sunday morning, for example, through worship, we give, that's a part of it. We have to plan that out in our budget. That, that's one of the things to do. So we've got Sunday taken care of. We plan out in our budget and we say, this is the portion that we're going to give to God's kingdom, back to God. Like that's, that's the expectation in Scripture. So go and plan that out. There's so many other ways in which we can be generous throughout our lives, and there's so many other days in the week that we can do that as well. So what I want you to challenge you to do, and this is going to take some planning on our, on our part, maybe 30 minutes to kind of sit down and think through how we're going to approach this. But each day this week, give something away. and Maybe it's buying lunch for somebody. May, maybe you, you reach out, you say, hey, let's grab lunch, and maybe it's buy, one day you, know, you buy somebody's lunch. There's a free idea. You, you've got it right there. Maybe it's just an extra, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's some, somebody else. Maybe it's just an extra 15 minutes of just listening to them talk and talk and talk, maybe it's, that person. maybe it's just being generous with, with your time. Maybe there's something that you have that you know that somebody else, somebody else really likes and, and you're like, you know, they're always borrowing this thing, I'm never using it. Maybe I just, maybe I just give them this, this shovel. I don't know why they don't have a shovel. Shovels are expensive. Have you, have you noticed <laughs> that, that tool, man, tools, just, just regular, like normal tools, like a pitchfork. Why do I have to pay $60 for a pitchfork? That's crazy. Um, you know, just looking for opportunities in which you, you recognize, like, you, you, can, you can be generous. And so every day this week, look, look for an opportunity. Don't let the day go past where, where you haven't given something to someone else. And I'm telling you, you know, what are the in- inspirational benefits of being generous? Oh, you'll be a happier person. Great. That's fine. Who cares? Um, <laughs> so that, great, great byproduct. But, but the thing that it does for our hearts and for our lives is it gives us a better, richer understanding of what this life is all about. And it gives us a better, richer understanding of the heart of God and how generous he continues to be with us each and every day. And it helps to train us to see the world in a different way. It helps us to steward the things around us rather than them owning, owning us and dictating how we feel. We let, we let the Spirit of God help to guide us and direct us in those ways. And it's just a better, richer, more fuller life when we are generous people. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being so generous with us. You have given us everything of yourself. Not only have you blessed us with the talents and abilities and resources and and food and and water and clothing and houses and cars and all all of these things that uh, maybe... (laughs) are really annoying sometimes and really tough to get at other times, and yet yet you continually provide for us in so many different just natural, physical ways that you, you've also done that spiritually as well, that you've sent Jesus to fulfill everything that we need in our lives that, that is not just physical, that, that you've given all of that provision to us in, in every way. God, help us, to, help us to see that perspective. Help us to recognize that we have more than enough to share with other people, that it's not about comparing how much we are able to share versus how somebody else is able to share, that the meaningful of the gift is not in the amount, but it's in, it's in the spirit of generosity, it's in the cheerfulness and joy in which we want to participate with your joy. God, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for giving us a wholly different way of thinking and living than what so many people get tempted and trapped into um, doing with their lives here on this earth. God, we praise you for this. We honor you for this. Help us to, through your Holy Spirit, help us to see life in a different way when it comes to our generosity. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.